This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, how's everyone doing? Thanks for listening and watching another episode of the Business Storytelling Podcast. And what's interesting about that opening, by the way, that is my lovely wife, One Take Wonder, uh, recording the opening. And I just thought about that. We might have to get that updated. I don't know if you guys saw my article the other day over on AuthenticStorytelling.net, but you can now listen to podcasts on Roku which also means you can listen to them over on just my new smart TV. We're not going to talk about smart TVs today, but stuff always evolves. So it's super interesting to think about that really quickly. If you case, In case you're wondering why I'm not looking at you, um, I am getting the guest ready here on Switcher Studio. All my shows are indeed um, supported by switcherstudio.com. That's how I produce the show right here on my iPad Pro. Big, big fan if you haven't heard me say that before. Today, I want to talk about um, turning data into stories. Now, I called it machine-generated content before, and somebody said to me, Christoph, that's not uh, what we call that. I'm going to ask my guests about, uh, about that uh, subtlety of language. But what's really interesting to me, and I can't share it with you for some reason, but every weekend, it seems, most weekends, we go to a softball tournament. And somebody sits there, and they put the, the um, every play into the Game Changer app and certainly appreciate um, the parent who does that. I couldn't do it. I, I would, like, go off into la-la land, honestly, doing that. And then at the end of that, they, it creates... An article. So let me just tell you the beginning of this article. Cedar Rapids Blue Devils claims lead in third inning to defeat SCP Rams. I don't know what SCP stands for. Blue Devils snagged a late lead and defeated the Rams 11-7 on Saturday. The game was tied at four with Cedar Rapids Blue Devils batting in the top of the third when Sophie Trapp, in case you can't recognize that, that's my daughter, Singled on the first pitch of the at-bat, scoring two runs. Blue Devils earned the victory despite allowing Rams to score four runs in the second inning, number 64 and 22, so we don't get the names of the other team. Privacy powered the big inning with RBIs. Now, what's interesting about that, as you know, I create a lot of content. I like the latest technology and all these different things. But if this was written by a human, I wouldn't push it back. It's missing some quotes, but I mean, you know, the computer isn't talking to anybody. So anyway, I wanted to find out more. What's behind the technology? How does it work? What are the use cases? And of course, you know me, journalist at heart. I invited the VP of marketing over at Narrative Science on the show. He is joining me today. I don't know from work, Cassidy Shield. Where are you located again, Cassidy? Hey, Christoph. I'm located outside Chicago. So we're not too far away from each other, actually. I'm in Marion, Iowa. Um, I was going to ask you, I heard, I heard Cedar Rapids on your example. I grew up in Iowa, so uh, a small world. About an hour it is, and a half we're south. in Iowa. A small town called Mount Pleasant, Iowa in southeast, southeast Iowa. Yeah, that's not uh, too I, far from here, just down 218. That is correct. So thank you for that introduction. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Look forward to the conversation. 
Awesome. Really appreciate you making the time. And of course, everyone, we are live on all the different channels. If you're watching on Amazon Life, uh, there is a link to uh, Narrative Sciences um, Kindle book on uh, basically telling better stories. I skimmed through it yesterday really, really quickly. So tell us about Narrative Science. Um, why does it exist? What's the problem it's solving? And and then how does it do these awesome game stories? They, the, the Gazette newspaper, you'll love this since you grew up in Iowa. They used to pay me like 50 bucks 25 years ago to write these kind of game stories, you know? That's awesome. I just, I, it always makes us uh, excited and happy when, when we hear parents talk about the Game Changer app. Um, yeah, so we're a company that was founded on a mission that uh, our quest is to make data understandable for everyone. And we do that by telling stories. We just happen to tell stories with your data. Um, and so the company was founded 10 years ago writing box scores from baseball games and out of uh, Northwestern University and research uh, on campus. And over the years, we, we started in journalism, uh, doing things like Game Changer app as well, migrated into the business world. Um, we've gone through a, a series of different steps and transformations. Uh, initially, we did a lot of automated reporting. So think of uh, unsexy things like compliance reporting, risk reporting, et cetera. Um, we did that for the first, first few years. We still do that. Um, our business customers then asked us, hey, we got a lot of data in dashboards. Can you write about that? So we challenged our team and said, listen, if you're looking at a dashboard, can you describe what's happening? And we were able to do that. And we did that for a few years and we still do it. And then the third iteration of this technology, we can get into a little bit more about how it works, is uh, people were saying, listen, um, I don't want to look at the dashboard. Can you just take my data and go from data to story with nothing in between? Um, and that's what we started doing about a year and a half ago with our latest product, and it's called Lexio. So we started in uh, you know the consumer world and journalism. We end up now in the business world primarily, but we do have a few customers that we hold over, like Game Changer, where we still support. Yeah, I think it's just fantastic. And what's interesting, I don't, I, I heard about this technology. I don't know if you guys are involved in this or, or maybe somebody else, but it doesn't make any difference. It's the same thing, really. Uh, AP started doing more and more stories, right, just from the box score. And when that first came about, I was still a lot closer to journalism, you know. I was like, oh, my goodness. Now, who's going to pay me that 50 bucks for that game story, you know? I mean, I haven't done that in 20 years. But at but at the core, it can feel, I mean, threatening, right, to some jobs. I mean, it, it could in theory. But then on the other hand, I'm thinking, none of these parents, including myself, is going to write a game story. <laughs> you know, that's that's really the thing. We're not here. You know, this technology wasn't created to displace people necessarily. It's um, to get to the long tail. So to your point, no, nobody's writing about little league softball and baseball games. But mm -hmm. if you can automate that, that's a thrill to every parent, every grandparent to be able to read, you know, so maybe an audience of 10 people reading that story about their kids. Um, but now they can read it. It makes them feel good. They see their names in print or online, um, which, you know, if it wasn't for technology, we wouldn't have that story. It's not like somebody else is going to write it. And I'm a journalist by heart and I wouldn't write it. So um, it's it's very true. And it's seconds, right? I mean, it's as soon as the game is finished, um, basically it's created. And this is 
So I, I wrote about um, machine-generated content. So I would like to, I think somebody on your team um, said, well, that's not how we refer to it. Tell, tell me what, what is it, what's the right terminology? I want to use the right terminology here. Well, we like to call it data storytelling. Data storytelling. And, and really because when you look at data as in a box score or a report or a dashboard at work, what you're doing in your mind is telling yourself the story. You're asking yourself what happened, why did it happen, what was it good or bad, what's it mean for me, maybe what do I want to do with this? Do I want to share it? Do I want to take action? And so what we're really trying to uncover here is like, what every human does when they look at data and that's tell themselves a story. So we kind of put these two words together and we call it data storytelling. Data storytelling. I I love it. Now, what are some, when I first wrote about this, I, uh, and again, this is just me kind of trying to figure it out, right? I don't, I don't know. I'm not the expert. So that's why I asked you to come on the show to kind of fill us in. I basically put it like this. It's like, you need the data input somehow then you need there was something else data input i don't know but but i thought there was three things maybe not but then at the very least you need to have the stoppage right like some like this like whoever comes up with the content they need to know now is the um time to create the content i see that in game changers sometimes when like you know when somebody knew like if i were to do it i wouldn't finish the game and then game changer doesn't write an app it doesn't write a story because it doesn't know it's done, right? It just says unfinished game or something like that. So what are the steps that are needed to, to do data storytelling in this, in this way? Yeah, so the first step is obviously you need the data. And to your point, um, what you tend to do is you have that data and there's a trigger point of like bright story. Um, and that can be automated, that can be manually. This data for us tends to be structured data. Um, that's what we write about. Um, you know, a lot of the world, a lot of business still works on structured data, a box score is structured data. And so what we're doing from that point on is a few things. First is we analyze the data. And so there's a process that goes on that basically looks into this box score and what it's trying to determine, it's running a bunch of calculations. And what it's asking it, what the machine is asking is what do we believe is relevant to the reader? And so in a business context, that might be something called drivers. Um, in uh, the context of a little league baseball game, it could be runs or home runs. And so what the system is then doing is based on kind of our IP and our technology is determining what's most relevant. And then from there, what it does is writes the story. And so the ability for it to write the story is kind of the magic. It's where we have you know 40 some patents on our technology and that is the ability to train a system on how to write like a human. And that's what we've been doing for the last 10 years. And that technology continues to get more advanced. In the old days, it might have been templated. Nowadays, it's done on the fly. The next generation of this will be, you know, we'll be able to look at what Christoph actually wrote um, and look at kind of your taxonomy and how you do that. And we'll be able to have the system mimic and say, write like Christoph. Um, and so that's kind of where the world's going at least with this technology. So you need the data. You need to decide what's important to the reader and the audience. Mm -hmm. There may have been some inputs ahead of time to say these are the types of things that would be important to that audience. And then from there, the system then writes um, about that outcome in a way that we feel well, most, uh, 
in you know a story format that we feel that mm-hmm. would be captivating to the person reading it. Well, thank thank you very much for the vote of confidence, right? Like Christoph, I mean that is something <laughs> I guess to uh, to strive for that the machines want to write like me. Now, but but content creators don't necessarily have to worry, right? I mean, it's not supposed to like replace them as you mentioned, but it's about like I mean to 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 complement them, I guess, or or create additional content or create more content from data. Um what give me some examples outside of the softball um example. What are some other examples how like a content marketer like myself, what's some data we could use? Um, that we might already have, and I, I'm 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 talking slower than normal here because I'm trying to think of something and I can't. So what what are, what's some data I might already have and I might be able to use here? Yeah, we can. Um, I can share exam. I should share these examples uh, with you, but we can do it afterwards. And that is, you know, take COVID data. We actually put our engineers on looking at COVID data and writing stories about it. Um, you know, this is data that the entire world is interested in. And yes, you're interested in it at a macro level and you're looking at a chart with big bubbles. But what you really want to know is what's going on in like your community. And so the data is out there and beginning access to that data is one hard and two, how to interpret it is also difficult. So what we like to think about is at a macro level, the USA Today or somebody's going to write a story about COVID data. But what about your community? A machine is able to write about your individual community or city or state based on that data automatically all the time. And so from an individual perspective, what this allows you to do is kind of mass customize content for an individual user at scale, because there's not enough people out there to write these stories manually. So what happens is they don't get written. And what we're left with is just looking at charts and graphs and big bubbles and circles on uh, a website of which we don't really understand what it means to us. And so that to me is the power. It's not replacing, it's augmenting. And by augmenting, you're able to reach so many more people with the content that's just right for them when they need it. Well, and it's also the speed. I mean, I remember back in the, I don't know, 90s or whatever, I, I played American football in Germany and there was like a monthly publication and you play a game and then a month later they have the article and now I'm sitting at the game. I know I told, I told you not to talk about softball and here I am again, talking again about softball, but a minute later or less, I got the article, you know, it's ready to go and I'm reading it. So I think it's, you know, first of all, uh, it might not even get created if, if, if the machines don't do it or the, you know, the, the data storytelling uh, project doesn't do it. Um, but it's also it's definitely the speed as well. Um, so, what kind of companies would work with you? Like, you know, like who who comes to you? Who's the best uh, the best kind of company to get started? And, and if it's everyone, um, maybe if you have a few examples. Yeah. So, I mean, every company that uses data or wants to use data to drive their business is a potential customer. Um, now. The ones that we tend to work with are going to be ones who, you know, are what we call early adopters or embrace change or embrace new technology, because this is new. This is not something that, even though we've been around 10 years and gone through various iterations, it's still an emerging technology. 
So what we tend to look for in customers and the customers we're most successful with are the ones who are embracing, you know, new technology to create a competitive advantage for the team. And so the use cases are very wide. They can be anywhere from, like we talked about before, compliance and risk reporting, sales reporting, marketing campaign, management, production data, um, you name it. It's really what we try to focus on are what are the most important metrics for your business? Um, how fast do you need to know those metrics and know about them and how they're changing? Cause they're changing all the time. And then who needs to know it and how do you deliver it to them in an automated way? So um, customers range, they're big companies, they're small companies um, across a variety of different industries, but the common denominator are those companies that um, are willing to embrace new ways of doing things. And um... I guess there's more and more companies that actually want to do that because I mean, things are just changing constantly and things are being disrupted and, and who knows where the next year will go here. Now, what's interesting, what you just mentioned, I didn't even think about it until I just, I think this is, what, this is what you said. I'm a, I'm a public content creator, right? Very little content that I create only gets used internally. I mean, every once in a while, there's something I send somewhere and it's internal and then back uh, a few months ago, I had um, Todd, I think it was Todd Cochran, I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, CEO of Blueberry. And he came on the show and he talked about private podcasting. So basically, you know, if, you're, if you have a message or your CEO has a message for the company, they record a podcast like we're doing now and it's internally distributed. So you also are kind of talking about, um, I have an internal report whether it's the sales funnel or marketing funnel or whatever it might be, um, are companies doing that too? They're, they're using your software to get that. Um, I mean, I always try, don't tell my CFOs ever, but I mean, when they send me these budgets, I'm just like, just give me the highlights, man. Like, yeah. do you know, I so, mean, is that how people use it too? This is primarily how people use our technology today. Um, very simply, okay. why, why are we internally versus external is because there's more money internal reporting it's a bigger market so um you just nailed you just nailed it on the head of like why people use this technology it's because you're running a business or you're part of a business and you want to know how that business is performing you don't need to know how you got to the data you don't need to be looking at a chart you just need to be looking at the output the insight what is it the thing i need to know and what you may need to know, Christoph, is different than what your CFO may need to know. So, you know, today in a business world, you all kind of have to look at the same thing and interpret it your own way. There's no reason a machine can't say, Christoph wants to know this and he needs to know it this way. The CFO wants to know something different and they want it delivered this way. And that's kind of, you know, the thing that we're trying to strive for in internal reporting, internal analytics is there's a ton of data in companies the vast majority of it isn't used. The vast majority of it isn't used is because it's not being consumed and served up the right way to those who need to use it. Interesting. And I always, I do appreciate everyone that comes on here and is honest and transparent. So I, I do appreciate the comment about we are there because that's where the money is. And that of course prompted me to kind of think about that too. And I'm I'm thinking we got all these investors, you know, investing in or, or whatever, whatever you call them, VCs in media companies, you know, 
And I bet you there's going to be a play there to be made at some point, too. Now, um, all my journalism friends, you know, I, I still think somebody has to get the quotes. I still think somebody has to add more context. Uh, but, I mean, I'm guessing there's going to be a play there as well. But very interesting uh, that it's mostly internal. Um, but if I think about it this way, um, if, you know, if I'm pretty up, pretty high up in the food chain, and somebody sends me a report and it takes me forever and ever to figure out what I need to know. I mean, there's cost associated with that, right? Because I'm not spending my time on something else while I'm trying to figure out. But if I, all I want to know is, are we on budget? What's the pacing? What else do I need to know? I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're trying to do, right? Yeah. And if something is good or bad, why is it good or bad in simple terms? And so really what's an interesting kind of uh analogies, the way we try to deliver this up is very similar to how you would consume information today. So you think of it as you're that executive. Oftentimes, mm -hmm. it's easier to go read about your company in the Wall Street Journal to understand what's going on than it is to read your own internal reports. And so if you take that as kind of a proxy, we want to bring kind of how you consume information in your personal lives to the business world. Why can't you read the equivalent of an article or a Wall Street Journal about your business every day um, from internal reporting? Would that be a better experience than like staring at numbers and dashboards and spreadsheets? And so it's very analogous to like how we consume today. We go to the journal or go online to a news feed. We look at what's important to us. We have it personalized to what matters or an algorithm determines what here's what Christoph wants to read about. Should be no different in the working world. But unfortunately, it's very different in the working world. Well, and how do companies know they need this kind of reporting? I mean, mm -hmm. is it really just going to be somebody like me? Uh, but but here's the other thing. If I go around and say, well, I need, I don't need all this. Just give me the highlights. You know, then some people will scream at me. Of course, not at Vox Pami, but I've had this happen before to an extent. Oh, it's so high maintenance. Just look at the report. I mean, is it really just come back to people like me who are just, kind of pushing for new things or how do companies realize how do they know they 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 want to have uh this kind of tool yeah i mean so i would say by now everybody understands that making decisions with data lead to better decision making i don't think we have to convince people that so as a company it's very easy to determine when i'm making a decision or i'm sitting in a room with people debating something Am I looking at data and is it involved or not? And if I find myself making a lot of decisions from gut only without being able to look at data about my business and kind of informing the decisions I'm going to make or testing a decision I do make, then you have a problem because you're going to be at a competitive disadvantage versus others who are doing that. And so we certainly moved from a world where in the past it was like, you need data to make decisions. Let's collect a bunch of data. That's kind of where we are now. People understand that you know, they need insights from data to make decisions. Now the question is like, how do we train our people to do that? How do we give them the right tools? Do we have the right data, et cetera? And that's kind of the battle we're facing in enterprises today is everybody knows how to, everybody knows they need it. How do they do it? Yeah, well, that's all. I think that's, I, I read that somewhere. That's always the hardest part. The more you know that you need help, like the more I know that I have to lose weight, the harder it actually is to lose weight. You know, it's like the same concept, I think. Uh, so when you're in a business, though, does it play back the con? So first of all, 
storytelling. I mean, you're not going to have to argue with me. Much easier to remember. And I had um, Elizabeth Trewinsky on the uh, Real Talk, the Customer Insights show the other day, which I produced for Vox Pop Me. And she said, I still have executives say, oh, I heard that story from a customer years ago. And it's because they they heard a story, right? They didn't just see, um, oh, I gave you a five out of five, right? Like, I'm going to remember your story much better now because you're talking me through it than me just seeing, okay, narrative science. What does that, what does that mean, right? Um, so how does it get played back to people? Is it in the written format or is there like at some point, is there like an audio feature or do you know what I mean? Like how, how is it played back and what does the future look like? Yeah. So in the context of data storytelling, like if you want to break it down, there's really three components. Mm-hmm. There's a visual piece so I can see something. There's a narrative. I can read it. And most importantly, there's context, which is what's it, what's it mean to me? So we take those three things and there's a variety of ways that we play this back. We may play it back in that you just want the insight. So you say, Christoph, that's what you want. That may be served up in just like, here's the headline. That's all you want to know, right? Sales are up because of X. You may then want to read a story. So then you can just like the headline, you can double click on it and you can go in and you can read a story that gives you more context about why sales are up, what drove it, who did it, what was the lead source, et cetera, et cetera, in that Mm -hmm. example. So you can think of it as headlines and longer form stories. The way we think about this being delivered is very much how we want our news delivered uh, in our personal lives. And that is, it depends. So the business world, you want it delivered wherever you're working. If I'm working on my phone, deliver it on my phone. If I'm working on my laptop or desktop, deliver it there. If I'm in Slack, put the insight there, right? So this is also a different in philosophy from like where we see the world going versus where it's been. And that is where it's been. You've always had to go to the data, open something up and look at it. What we're saying the new world is just like in our personal lives, the news shows up where we are. And that news can be headlines and that news can be full story. The news shows up where, where we are. It's so true. Uh, honestly. I mean, I'm just actually, I'm looking over at my Slack here and there's all these different channels, you know, leads are coming in here. The updates are coming in here. When this happens, that comes over here and, you know, notifications over here for other things. Um, so that's, it's, I think that's very true. Now, on your website, you're talking about no more dashboards. Um, and one thing that I found interesting that struck me, um, so I I love looking at data. I love trying to figure out what the trends are. And of course, this can help me with that. But then I also have had work, I've worked on projects where people are really struggling even getting their dashboard in it. I mean, it's easier in some areas than others, right? I mean, like, here's the sales, easy enough. But like live streaming, I have not seen anybody who's been able to produce one dashboard for all the live streams and podcasts. Like, I don't think it's possible because it's so all the different networks, you know, LinkedIn does their own thing. Amazon does their own thing. Everybody does their own thing. How about when companies don't have structured data? I don't know if that's the right phrase here, but but if they don't even have it in a place yet to even look at correctly, or they're still trying to figure out how to uh, massage it, how, how does that work? Uh, can you work with them or is that just... Um, 
they need to figure yeah. out their stuff. Come to in some ways, the short answer is they need to figure out their stuff. Um, now, if you look at like the investment and innovation and just data and analytics, there's a lot of people in technology figuring that part out, how to make it easy to capture data and uh, what they call transform it into something that would be useful. Um, and then it kind of stops because we're still putting it in dashboards that have been around for 20 years that are built by humans to be able to communicate to others. And that's the piece that is still broken that we're aiming to fix. So what we tend to do is we'll help companies and guide them through how to get their data transformed in the right way so they can read about it. Um, but by and large, most companies already understand kind of the journey that they need to go down to, to do that. Um, what they haven't put a lot of thought in it, into it is the consumption experience of that data. How should it change so people actually consume it? And that's what we, yeah. that's where we spend a lot of time. And it's not just about technology. It's about education and training and, you know, getting people to understand, okay, I'm reading it, but what does it mean now to my business? You know, those are things that technology can't always solve that you need to do through education yeah. and training. Yeah, absolutely. So I just wrote the other day about a technology assessment, right? Here are the steps I think you need to go through to determine what new technology to use. And one of them is the ease of use. So as the consumer, I would say your technology is super easy to use. Like, love it, right? Like, fantastic. But when you come into a company, what's like the, like, what's the rollout? How long does it take? To, and I, I know there's, if you don't have your data structured, I know, as you said, they got to get that in order. But let's say in a perfect scenario, how easy is it to use and in, in the adoption? Uh, pretty simple or, or how does that look? Um, so let's just if we just take it from a baseline, if you have data, <clears throat> we can start reading a story about that data in an hour. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, at, at the highest level, that's not necessarily a barrier now. When you go to roll this out, a few things need to happen. One is we got to make sure the data can be transformed in a way that's that we can read about it and it makes sense to you as a user. And there's a back and forth process at a technical level. But more importantly yeah. than that, what we want to do is we want to start, we got to figure out where to start. Like this isn't something where I have a ton of data and let's start writing stories about everything and rolling out and rolling out to everyone. This is about determining the right place to start. Like any technology, um, that right place to start needs to be like, where's the pain in your business that we can solve best? So like an example would be, where do people need to be looking at dashboards and they're not? That tends to start at an executive level down through an organization. Identify that starting point, making sure you have executive sponsorship because you can never roll out new technology in a company without a senior person bought in. Um, then it's, okay, True. what is most important? What's the, you know, the process to go about getting that data transformed the story making sense. Then there's training and rollout and a bunch of stuff. So it's like very similar to like how you roll out any new technology, but the important point for us is defining um, where the pain is big enough and making sure there's executive buy-in and then making sure that we can write about the story in a way that makes sense to those who need it. Yeah, it's it's very true. You always, first of all, you do always need executive buy-in uh, from somebody at least. Um, but also, I think it's about 
you know, as you mentioned, find the right people to try it with. For example, when I started podcasting, I just did it because I wanted to learn it, right? So anybody that came to me and said, hey, you want to do a podcast project? Heck yeah, let's try it. I don't have any idea how to do it, but let's do it. Then the live streaming, a podcast came around, you know, and of course on Amazon, that book is also in the carousel. Heck yeah, let's try it, right? Let's see if it works. Let's see how we tie it all together. So very, very interesting um, how to implement that. Well, this was fantastic, Cassie. I really appreciate you making the time. Really appreciate you sharing this knowledge. I hope people check out narrativescience.com. Um, it has been on the screen the whole time. It should be in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today. Yeah, and I would say uh, any vintage story has to have a call to action. So if anybody's interested in trying out our product, hit me up on LinkedIn or you can email me at cshield.narrativescience.com and I'd be happy to talk you through how to do that. That's uh, very true. Every story needs to have a call to action. Thanks again for joining us. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. Until next time. Storytelling Podcast. Please rate, review, and recommend our show to your friends and co-workers. Until next time, 